to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share their practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career and life satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we are breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch those Sunday blues. Welcome to No More Mondays. Hello and welcome to another episode of No More Mondays. I am your host, Angie Callen. Are you working on a transformation? Do you wish you were working on a transformation? Change is a funny thing. Sometimes we have complete control over making it happen, and other times it feels like we're just on life's ride, car sick in the backseat with no ability to alter course. Luckily, today's guest, Brian Gorman, is here to help us understand these types of patterns and change and how we can thrive regardless of what obstacles may get in the way to our goals and aspirations. Brian is a student of change, which is a term I absolutely love, and he is committed to passing on all of the lessons he's learned to people like us through his work as a transformational change coach. He and I share a mission to help people find fulfillment in life, so I am very excited for all of you to gain his knowledge, get his life lessons, and hear his wisdom. So without further ado, let's welcome to the show Brian Gorman. Brian, welcome to No More Mondays. I'm all for No More Mondays. It's great to be here, Angie. (laughs) Awesome. And I I really enjoyed as I was kind of, you know, reading up on you and and consuming some of your content. I really like how you kind of speak about change, how you study it um, on a lot of different kind of psychological scientific levels, which we're going to get in. And also how you help people embrace it, because I'm a big fan. Like I, you know, I tend to like change, which is odd considering my upbringing. But I'm curious kind of how you came to really find passion around this focus, where your perspective on it comes from. Like, how did you get here? Well, it's a long journey, but let me just tell you where the seeds were planted. They were planted my freshman year at Syracuse University, which was 1967-68. And uh, I uh, volunteered to do some youth work on the nearby Onondaga Indian Reservation. At the time, the university's mascot was named the Saltine Warrior, and as one might unfortunately expect, the Saltine Warrior was portrayed by Caucasian fraternity brothers pretending to be drunken Indians in Hollywood costume. Uh, And I, I quickly learned that that was a xenophobic and racist portrayal um, of a a very strong uh, historic culture and tradition and tried to get the university to change its mascot. I failed. It took the Onondaga Nation another 10 years, but that somehow activated this change cell or whatever it is in in my DNA, and it's been alive and thriving ever since. Isn't it really interesting how something that's and that's not an insignificant experience, but how just one thing can can really like alter that course or alter your perspective on uh you know because for me I think that I have a my my experience in my own career change is what for me was the big seed 
that then got watered a whole ton because it, it starts to make you realize what happens if you do challenge something versus keeping the status quo, which we tend tend to do. Uh, I also appreciate that story because my husband, who is on the other end of this as the producer, grew up in Syracuse and and his parents went to Syracuse probably around the time that the uh, mascot was changed. So I find that a, just a very interesting uh, kind of kind of story. One of the things that I think is so important about change, and you talk, you know, you, you're encouraged and excited about change. Um, there are those who don't like change. And, you know, I, I think of um, close uh, people who are close to me who, when they retired, said, basically, I'm, go- I'm going to stop changing. The world continues to change. And so our relationships outside of ourselves are going to change. Our experiences outside of ourselves are going to change in some ways more dramatically if we're not willing to continue changing and adapting. And, and, you, and you can either fight it or ride it. And I think that's where a lot of the, a lot of the angst in change comes from is because we fight it instead of just knowing that is a fact of life. And, and I, and I wanted to get into, and this is kind of the perfect, I think, you know, entry point, the, the psychology and the neuroscience behind like that resistance or the ability to adapt or how you can learn the ability to adapt. Um, You know, in my, I think in my previous life, if I knew what I knew now, I would have been a behavioral economist. I like numbers and I like psychology and it would have been a great, so this is kind of playing to that just curiosity I have, but talk to me more about like the science behind you know, all of this and, and, and how are, how we approach that perspective of change and decisions around it. Well, let me begin by saying most of my career was in the field of organizational change management. And, and a couple of key lessons came out of that. One, organizations don't change. People change. And so organizational change management is really individual change at scale, if you will. The, the second thing that's really important, and, and um, this is really based on the work of Joseph Campbell. Uh, Joseph Campbell was a mythologist and a psychologist in the mid-20th century. And uh, one of the things he did was research, is there a pattern of Uh, creation myths across traditions across time? Is there a pattern of coming of age myths across tradition across time? And what he discovered is there's one pattern across myth. And, and what is myth, but it's, it, you know, coming of age or, or creation or whatever, those are transformational change stories. And, um, that pattern he named the hero's journey. And what he said which in my you know, now well over five decades of intentionally focusing on change, what he said is while we approach each change as if it's unique and unpredictable, it's not. We take the same change journey over and over and over again. So the catalyst for change may be different. Whether or not we have control over different factors may be different. But the journey itself is the same. And so if you know that journey, it isn't going to make every change easy. 
it is going to make it easier because you know you know what lies ahead of you on the path you know for example that even that change that you so passionately want to make the time will come when you start to resist that you start to question your 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 decisions that's normal that's part of the journey that doesn't mean that you're on the wrong path that doesn't mean you made a mistake maybe you are maybe you did but that don't just jump to that conclusion because resistance surfaces when we discover what we didn't know when we started the journey oh okay this is it's interesting cuz in a way you just brought together uh, a lot of things either i say or i've observed into like an actual kind of study and formula because i've i've just noticed personally in my own life of going through you know different seasons and different challenges that each time you go through a challenge the next challenge is a little easier it's almost like you get a thicker skin and and the reason is because it's always just a repeat of the hero's journey. You might just have a slightly different cast of characters, but you've been through the plot before. And that learning is embedded in your unconscious. So a little bit of neuroscience, which is, again, part of what I bring to this. Um, we receive somewhere in the neighborhood and, and and over and over again i see this number of 11 million bits of data a second how many we can process the research varies it the the variation doesn't matter because the number is somewhere around 134 of those 11 million bits so we're talking economies of scale by the time we get down to it. So whether it's 134 or 150, it really doesn't matter. It at that really point doesn't time. matter. We're sub 1%. <laughs> Our unconscious filters out the rest of it. Um, whether that's through language, through experience, through, um, you know, if you're a city dweller and you, you're out in the country, all of a sudden um, the silence is deafening. If you live in the country and move to the city, the noise is deafening. And again, we adapt to that, and, and that data becomes background, becomes unconscious to us. So as you are moving through that next change, going back to what you were saying, um, our unconscious is recognizing that pattern for you and giving you a little more guidance on how to move through it. Which means the next time you're moving through it, a little tiny bit of the subconscious is now conscious, right? So it's the, it becomes a little bit more information you have to take yeah. take with you each time you're going through a new plot of your hero's journey. Exactly. I love that you brought this up. Is, is it uh, common common themes? And maybe that's my com maybe that's that's the uh, you know ten million. 976, I did the math, 876 bits of information I can't parse coming into play here. But literally yesterday, uh, I hosted a webinar and it was about storytelling. And we were talking about story tropes and how there's basically six of them in society. And th this is a, such an overlap with that, that we've all been through our change stories before. We just tend to want them each to be different and treat them that way. And then we're more resistant to it. 
and I'm curious as we talk about the the neuroscience of like the subcon what the subconscious is doing to parse all those data points. Is there this might be a loaded or put you on the spot question? Is there a way to activate any of that to become more conscious to support like a more active filtering, or do we just have to allow it to be in the background for future use? Bring it alive. <laughs> Okay, yay! Yay, tell us how! (laughs) Story! Story! Um, My version of the hero's journey, which is really based on my experience and and Joseph Campbell's work, is be clear about where you're going. Be clear about the destination. But that's not, you know, in five years I'm going to X, Y, and Z. Because that's all up in your head. It is creating a story from the future. The neuroscience, our brains are story processors. They're not logic processors. Um, great for you for figuring the numbers out. I've given up trying. <laughs> but we had story, and you, you know, given what, what you were saying about your workshop, you know this. We had story before we had language. We drew it in the dirt. We painted it on walls and, and, and on hides and so forth. The human mind is a story processor. But one of the realities about it is it cannot tell the difference between a well-crafted story and the lived event. The uh, fMRIs of people listening to a well-told story are virtually the same as if they were living that experience. And so if we create a story from the future, a head, heart, gut story, a story that has the emotion attached with it, we are actually beginning to build new neural networks. And so when we run into those inevitable obstacles, our mind says, wait a minute. Our our unconscious says, wait a minute. There has to be a way under, over, around, or through this because I know what it's like on the other side. So bring it alive with that story and and do whatever you can to live into that story every day. You know, and, and some people, you know, use different terminology for it, but it's all the same if if you are living into your story you'll find a way to live into your story i i feel like i'm like in this little trapped box over here and i have all this pent up energy and i did not i did not go brian here's the 12 things i want you to say because you just t- said the 12 things and i'm like this is amazing and and for those of you who listen regularly to no more mondays You've heard me say something that Brian just put in a very different context, and I want to draw the correlation very specifically, is, you know, I am a, it's purpose. Purpose is a, is your story, and purpose comes out of the story, and purpose becomes clear through your story. You hear us talk so much about how finding your purpose, if you want to call it your passion, if you want to call it your why, if you want to call it your story, finding and identifying that be. Be, create so much more clarity and fulfillment and trust in life's journey that that can help you get through 
the challenges of change and it because it becomes that that foundational element and and the other thing you said Brian that I think is is was so spot on is is not the here's where I want to be in 5 years that's an objective that's not a vision a purpose or a goal and the way I say that a lot of times is people get these super tunnel visioned goals of like I want to be a COO by the time I'm 40 you might miss the chance to be a CEO at 35 and that's because you're being a little bit too you're you're short sighted in the storytelling, and 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 that's that that's the parallel that you said you said differently to everybody is like don't think about it as a practical uh, point in time to reach, but this kind of long range like legacy that you may you may want to leave that will pull you through life's journey. Uh, I have a friend in Australia named Ellie Gould and. Uh, Ellie's done a lot of research and writing about this, and uh, she cites Michael Phelps, who on the podium receiving his gold medals was going into a depression because he hit his goal. What's next? Yeah. You know, my life, I've, this, this was what I was doing for the last 10 years, 12, whatever it was. And so what Ellie talks about, and she uses a different word that I can never recall, but, you know, what if his aspiration was to become a role model for athletics as a way of developing yourself? Now the gold medal is a milestone. It's not the end of a journey. Not the end point. That's so true. I've seen this happen much, uh, much less visible than Michael Phelps. And, and, and here's the thing. That story is the same. The title, the title is different. Right. And that's that is so very subconscious. Right. Like the title of a book t- gives you context as soon as you open the first page. If you title your story differently, it may give it meaning. And that's the thing is Michael Phelps is still doing all of that. He just said he just titled the book a little too a little too short in his in his in his journey. And I've seen this with um with uh, professionals. So for those of you out there who I'll give you kind of a practical application in the in the career world. I've seen this with people who maybe study something really specifically in college. I'm one of them uh, who then realizes, oh, crap, this isn't what I want to do. But you kind of designed your whole future story on that you know, very short snapshot on time. And now you have to redefine yourself. Same with people mid-career who decide they want to change careers. We're getting into that like re-identification of everything you've always known. The goal and waypoint you set for yourself now has to drastically shift. And we're we're crafting a fundamental story about ourselves in real time, halfway through life on the brink of a big change. I want to go back, Andrea, to something you said earlier. My sort of core question for my client is what makes your heart sing? And so often, unfortunately, people don't know. And so the first part of our work together is to discover what that passion is. Because then we can can craft the journey forward to learning to sing along. Um, the, the other thing I want to be clear about is when I talk about writing, create, writing your story, creating your story, um, use the language that you're comfortable with. So, I mean, it may be English, it may be Spanish, 
it may not be words. It may be song, it may be dance, it may be music, it may be art. Create your story in your language. Because when you look at that painting, when you get up and dance across the living room floor, you know what that story is, where it's taking you. I got like the chills. This is fun. And also, everyone, this is so not where I thought this conversation was going. And I, it's way freaking better. Okay, so one thing I do like to do here is get into a little bit of like practical tactical. So I would love if you would be willing to share a few tips or maybe prompts on how somebody who doesn't know what makes their heart sing can start exploring what makes their heart sing. So one question that might help is when are you in the zone? When does time, the world around you disappear? That may be something you're doing, quote, at work, or it may be when you're reading a particular type of book, or it may be, you know, when you're tinkering with the car. Who knows? That's a clue. That's a clue that you are attuned in a very different way to what you're doing at that moment than you are when you're looking at your watch and saying, I can't believe it's only been two minutes. It felt like an hour. Um, that's one of the places where I really explore um, spending time with yourself. So many people who don't know what makes their heart sing, who um, you know, are feeling unfulfilled, are also very busy doing things <laughs> and, and not spending time with yourself. So spend some time with yourself. Really spend time reflecting. Sometimes for some of my clients, it's mirror work. It's, you know, we all look at ourselves in the mirror a thousand times a day and we never see ourselves. We see our makeup or our hair or the spinach on our teeth or, you know, the tie not straight or whatever it is. But I invite people to really spend some time looking at yourself in the mirror, eye to eye with yourself and say, what makes me happy? What makes me feel fulfilled? What brings me joy? And I want to go back to the, I feel like I want to like some, some peaceful music to come in there and allow everybody to like maybe pull off the road and just meditate on those three, three things. But in order to keep the conversation moving, I, I want to, I really want to take that and pair it with that idea of spending time with yourself. We are more distracted than ever. And you all know how big of a fan I am of the turn off, tune out, get out in nature movement. And if that, if it, it be, it, and, and to be completely honest, part of the reason is because I won't turn off unless I'm forced to, because I ain't got no service. And so it, even if you have to really force yourself into a place to, to like re-engage with yourself, that is, that is probably the number one relationship that we sacrifice and fail to maintain in all of the relationships that we have in our lives. And you can't do this kind of reflection work unless you do re-engage in that relationship with yourself. 
and getting out in nature is a perfect, perfect uh, environment, if you will, because it tends to, again, engage head, heart, and gut. Yes, without uh, the bias of either other people or um, opinions or society, it's, it's, it's hugely impactful. And so now let's go like a step further. So uh, we've got an idea of maybe some concepts to begin exploring purpose or why or story or what makes our hearts sing. I love that. I have a feeling that might be the title of this episode. Uh, let's say we start to get a glimpse of that. What can we do next? So let's say, okay, I have these three or four things that make my heart sing. What do we practically do with those realizations? We don't plan. <laughs> Which is probably everybody's MO. I, that would be mine. There's the former engineer in you, right? Okay, cool. I got to do, I got to do it. Now I need what a plan. What can I do with it? Yeah. Now I need a plan. <laughs> the problem with jumping from there to planning is we only plan for what's in our consciousness. And there are a whole number of things that we're not conscious of that we also need to take into consideration. Um, the one that I talk most frequently about are anchors. And the metaphor of anchors really came to me. I live in Hoboken, New Jersey. We were literally locked into our apartments by street flooding after uh, Superstorm Sandy for days. And, and the flooding came from the fact that we're only depending on what source you look at, about seven feet above sea level on average. Uh, we're right on the Hudson River, and at the north and south ends of Hoboken are inlets to the river. And so when we got out of the apartment, I started walking around and, and looking at the damage and so forth, and the um, inlet on the north end of Hoboken, people anchor sailboats. And as I got toward the north end of the city, there was a sailboat sitting on a railing attached to its buoy, attached to its anchor, somewhere between a quarter and a half a mile away from where it was before the storm came in. And when I got up to the inlet, there were these sailboats just bouncing around like any old day, and then there were these masts sticking out of the water. Anchors provide a sense of security, a sense of knowing what to expect. But during turbulence, and, and change is a turbulent experience, we need to look at our anchors. Are they going to hold us back from moving forward? Are they going to sink us? Do we need to let some of them go? Do we need to hold some of them tighter? Um, so... And, and anchors are very personal. I did a lot of anchors workshops um, early on in COVID and had one Wall Street lawyer um, discover that if he put his suit on before he went into his home office, he could work. But for the first two weeks, he felt totally out of control. Anchors are personal. And anchors are, in that case, it was subconscious until oh, they are. he was able to bring it into the conscious. That's incredible. I mean, think about anchors. They, they're below the surface. Yeah. We need to bring them up. Um, 
in, in really researching this, I also discovered that there are sea anchors. Because out in the middle of the ocean, you don't, don't drop this thing down to the bottom, right? Sea anchors, and, and I don't understand the physics of them, but they, they float below the surface, and they keep the ship facing into the turbulence so that it can continue to move forward without capsizing. And we all have sea anchors. But again, they're not something that we're really focused on day in and day out. So as we prepare, what are the sea anchors that we need to um, be in touch with to keep us facing into the turbulence of this change moving forward? Um, Any other number of things, you know, what are my boundaries and, and um, might be what do I need financially? Um, all of those things, as we begin to surface them, now we can begin to plan around them. But again, I'm, I'm sure your listeners know we've all experienced you can build a thousand-line project plan, and by the time you hit line five, Something's off already. You're reworking the whole spreadsheet <laughs> because one of those sinking anchors showed up. So, so for me, the the planning, the preparing, and the journey are very much an iterative process. And I think that's there's a that's a big a big message here is it you don't have to be completely planless and totally fly by the seat of your pants, but there is this idea of having too rigid of a plan, too specific of a goal that either either creates too early of a milestone, going back to the Michael Phelps story, or keeps you from like positive changes that might come up, right? It's too rigid for iteration, right? We're going back to waterfall instead of agile, all you software people. It's, you know what I mean? There's There's an idea of like being nimble within... You know, you don't. It's not like you completely lack a compass point or a, a just. A, I would say a, ge- a general geography of where you're heading, but there's lots of different roads that can get you there. And I think that's what can create a little bit more adaptability when we now come back to change. Um, and 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 actually, that's where I kind of wanted to come full circle here. So we have this idea of like identifying our purpose, identifying what really get lit, lights us up, what makes that heart sing idea. And then we pair that with what is going to disrupt us from allowing our heart to sing. What is distracting us from allowing our heart to sing? What are the anchors that are going to make us sink? What are the anchors we need to track appropriately? And understanding kind of how all that stuff supports, I'm going to say a vision, but not a super, super specific goal. How does how does kind of that little inventory, let's call it to put a super logistics, literally logistics word to it. How does how, knowing that little inventory and being kind of more connected to those aspects of ourself now come back into the change scenario and that journey and help support us through it with less fear and resistance? What's the next step? Very simple question. What is the next step? What one step will take me forward toward living that future story? 
incremental progress is still progress. And I think that's where we get in our own way sometimes, right? Because like you said, okay, now I know what my heart's saying is let's make a plan and I'm going to figure out the grandiose way to use it. And then that grandiose way is really overwhelming to implement versus uh, let me take one small step to kind of further explore. I'm going to, I'm going to put one line on my spreadsheet instead of a hundred, right? So baby steps. And, and the other thing that I find very important is to recognize that we need to take care of ourselves in the journey. Um, when, I, when I write about this, I sometimes write about plateaus. I have a chapter in, in a book that Springer International just published uh, called Personal Educational and Organizational Transformation. And um, I draw on Sir Edmund Hillary. For those who don't know who he is, he and his Sherpa uh, Tenzig Norgay were the first two to successfully reach the summit of Mount Everest and return. And Hillary says, it's not the mountain we conquer, it's ourselves. And if you think of the literal journey up Mount Everest, there are plateaus. There are places where we stop and re-energize, plan for the next piece of the journey. Um, I tend to look at my life as that continuing journey, if you will, and there are some times when you need to stop on a plateau. What's important, going back to the very early part of our conversation, Angie, um, is to recognize this is a plateau. This is not the summit. This is not where we change no more. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes you, to go back to this conscious subconscious theme that we have here, sometimes you consciously arrive at a plateau and you say, okay, this is where I have to stay. But sometimes external factors put you there because it's where you need to to be. A lot of times in the entrepreneurial world will say, you know, you have to slow down to speed up. But you you like nobody, even Edmund Hillary and his Sherpa climbed Everest without stopping. Yep. I love that you used a mountain climber story because we're big, you know, mountain people, Colorado <laughs> climb things. It would literally take me my entire life to get to the top of Everest, so it feels very it feels a very appropriate analogy for for me and my world, but it's really important, I think, to 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 be okay with the plateaus as well, right? A lot of people, I'm one of them. I don't like plateaus. I am not a sustainer. Uh, I am a I am a grower. What's the next thing? But that's just exhausting too. And that's where this whole idea of taking care of yourself and and giving space and plateaus to replenish is really important. So for many years, one of my stories was I'm not a sustainer. Isn't that funny? I just said that. Nobody's ever said that back to me. Like nobody's ever used that same language. That's funny. <laughs> Sometimes I, I would use I'm not a maintainer. Me too. The, the truth of the matter is we are. It's not our focus. It's not where we get energy from. And being on that plateau, maintaining whether it's that steady income, whether it's that relationship, fuels the rest of that change that we're undertaking. 
So we are really both end. I, this, I, I have to tell all of you, I, you know, at the end of the podcast, I'll usually say, Hey, I hope you took some notes. I, I have took more notes during this podcast than I have ever also partly because the conversation is different and amazing. And I want to keep track of where things I wanted to ask, but I, I find that when you're on your journey, what is that saying? When the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? So when you're ready to climb Everest, your Sherpa will appear. And when you need the plateau, the plateau will arrive. That, that idea that you're, you're provided the resources that you need through the journey. And I, I just find it interesting that sometimes I have these conversations and I was like, ooh, I needed this one. Whether y'all out there did or not, at least one person got something out of this conversation. But I, I also find even just in talking to you, Brian, you have a, like a calming type of demeanor that that helps me kind of lean into the introspection that comes from this idea of like where am i on my journey and is it is it a journey of heart song thank you if i can go back to your comment about when you're ready the sherpa the teachers the plateau they're there again it's that unconscious is now ready to recognize that that person is just who I needed to meet right now. If I had met them a week ago, I would have still met them, but it would have been just another person. Mm. And, and that aware, that um, the awareness around when a resource is right, and what role they're playing in your journey is is really incredible. And that's that comes back to this whole idea of being in tune with the journey you're supposed to be on, why it's the one that you want to be on, because then your eye your eyes are are open to those kinds of things when they're supposed to be open to those kinds of things. Exactly. It's amazing how that that all becomes so synchronous. Um uh, you know, with, with just a little bit of like almost perspective shifts is a lot of what this is, right? It's it, like taking the time to find the perspective and, and the, and the reason kind of for being, and, and all of that really does fall into place when you, when you have that intention. Exactly. This has been one amazing conversation, Brian. And I, I, this is probably a good place to maybe start wrapping things up because otherwise I'm going to start a whole new story and we're going to have a whole new Everest to climb. Um, but before we completely bid adieu, I would love for you to just let people know where they can find you and your resources around all of this, because I think that this is so important as one society is changing faster now. And if we can find a way to adapt better, we're going to have more fulfillment and also this this idea of uh, embracing your journey is also going to help you know what journey to be on. So I love all of this. How do people find you and get more information on all of this stuff? So let me point to a few things. My website is transforminglives.coach. My email is brian at transforminglives.coach. Um, on my website, there are over 120 blog posts about different pieces of this journey. Uh, there, there is a Facebook Live uh, page, uh, transformlives.coach, where there are about 120 Facebook Live, anywhere from one to eight minute um, sort of talks about different pieces of this journey. 
And if people reach out to me, um, I'm also able to share um, a, a PDF of the chapter, The Hero and the Sherpa, um, which is a uh, guide to personal transformation, moving you through the different stages of the journey. I love it. And we, of course, will share all of those at nomoremondays.info. Uh, I will be the first to request the PDF of The Hero and the Sherpa. Uh, and so I think all of you out there should should tune into this. And uh, thank you for all of those things. We'll be sure to to link everybody to them. And you know, as we as we kind of wrap up this conversation, of which I hope there are more, uh, I would love to just give everybody one last little gold nugget. And I wanted I would love for you to give us your number one piece of advice on on what we can do to get one step closer to figuring out what makes our hearts sing. That's a tough one. One more piece. I put you on the spot. One yeah. more piece. And I, I rephrased it because I just love that theme of the heart song here. Sometimes I say, what can we do to get closer to life and career satisfaction? Uh, but I think one thing we can do is figure out what makes our heart sing, right? So yeah. there we go. Maybe I changed it and shouldn't have because that's the advice. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, again, I, I think I have to repeat what I said. You know, find what you're doing when you're in your zone. That may not be it. I, th I think that's my ad. You know, it may be when you're tinkering with your car, you're in your zone. It may not be that you want to be a mechanic. But it may be that working with your hands. When you're tinkering with your car, you're, you're problem solving. Maybe it's problem solving. So, you know, don't just jump on that first thing that you find when you're in your zone but really again spend some time reflecting on it experimenting lean into it lean into and it. also i'm gonna add i'm gonna add a piece to that which is basically we talked about but don't jump to conclusions and immediately start acting right explore it lean into it and allow yourself to kind of linger there for a little bit and and, and see what goes on the first line of the spreadsheet the the other thing I will say, Angie, is I had one client who all she knew when she created her story from the future was the type of people that she wanted to work with, the feeling she wanted to have at the end of the day, and that she wanted to be known for her signature red blazer. She had no idea what the work was going to be. It can be that ambiguous. It can be that ambiguous. Because all you need to do is know what the next step is. Yeah. And sometimes that's where the Sherpa, which may be somebody like a guide like us, can yeah. come in and help you uh, color in the rest of, of the lines. I will say that. Um, and so if you get stuck trying to do this on your own, this is why people, this is, this is what makes our hearts sing, right? It's helping all of you out there determine how this picture should look for you. And so I hope that you will follow along with Brian and tune into some of the resources that he has, because this is just such an amazing way to approach that kind of idea of purpose and why. And I'm, I'm so grateful for your time and I'm so grateful that you were willing to kind of share these insights and just really interesting perspectives on, you know, how we can embrace change, but even more importantly, be very intentional about the journey that will help us embrace and adapt to change. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I love this conversation. 
Uh, Brian, you're now officially part of the No More Mondays movement. You may be the No More Mondays movement. And I'm I'm so grateful that you were you were willing to come and and share with us today and and give everybody out there really I, I almost want to it's it's not even practical, it's bigger than practical ideas on, you know, how you can establish a foundation for life and career success. And I hope all of you will head on over to No More Mondays, grab the links to the different resources Brian mentioned, leave us a five-star rating because this is one of our best conversations. And uh, if you have ideas of other guests or want to leave us comment, comments or feedback, you can also do that at nomormondays.info. And in the meantime, I hope you will lean in and find what helps you, what makes your heart sing. And until next week, I will see you on Wednesday for another episode of No More Mondays. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your life and career. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info to get all the details, show notes, and recommendation from this episode. No More Mondays. We drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by CareerBenders, Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit us online at careerbenders.com.